I think it's really interesting that, yeah, we went from being like poor galleries, art fairs are killing galleries, to now these bigger forces are threatening to kill art fairs. Hi, I'm Andrew Goldstein, and this is The Art Angle, a podcast from Artnet News where the art world meets the real world, bringing each week's biggest story down to earth. This week, what seems like the entire art industry, every luxury company, planefuls of status seekers, and every celebrity who isn't nailed down will be flying down to Miami. Why? Because it's time for Art World Christmas, or as it's otherwise known, Art Basel Miami Beach, the annual festival of conspicuous consumption and air kissing that for a few days turns the Art Deco seaside strip of South Beach into a champagne-soaked playground for the rich and famous. And while people love to complain about the perceived frivolity of the art fair that fills Miami's convention center with international galleries and acts as the sun for a solar system of satellite events around town, Art Basel matters to the art business in an enormous, almost existential way. Next year, the Art Basel Fair Empire will turn 50 years old, and over that time, it has evolved from a little trade fair for German-speaking art collectors near Basel, Switzerland, into a colossus that bestrides Europe, Asia, and the Americas with three supersized fairs that are the most important market events in their respective regions. Each edition draws not only buyers and sellers of art who regularly transact in the tens of millions of dollars, but also curators, journalists, and art lovers looking for a snapshot of the state of contemporary art at that moment. Art Basel is by no means the only art fair in the world, but it is the most important And that makes it a convenient subject for us to delve into today because art fairs have become a big problem. In fact, they've become the bugbear of the art dealers they are meant to serve who see them as an oppressive force. Some people even seem to think that the fairs are killing art. And as it turns out, art fairs aren't faring too well themselves these days. Here to talk about art fairs, and Art Basel in particular, I am joined by Artnet News Executive Editor Julia Halpern. Thank you very much for being on The Art Angle, Julia. Thanks for having me. So Julia, if I was an alien who just arrived on Planet Art World instead of a jaded, world-weary traveler of art fairs, how would you explain what an art fair is to me? So I would tell you that it's like a mall, but... It only pops up for four days in any given city. And instead of American Eagle and Nordstrom, it's Gagosian and David's Werner. Every stall is filled with art brought by individual galleries. So in the same way that industries like the home goods industry or the wedding industry have trade shows where professionals go and see the broad expanse of what's on offer. Art fairs have the same thing for art. So it's a magical art mall that appears out of nowhere in all these places around the world. If I was an art collector, why might I want to go shopping at an art fair instead of, say, popping into my local gallery or hopping into an auction house? So I think art fairs have become popular along with the rise of contemporary art. And the reason that people like art fairs are the same reasons why a lot of people like collecting contemporary art, because it's social, it's flashy, you feel like you're part of a cosmopolitan community. And in the case of art fairs, it allows really rich people who don't have a ton of time to maybe go to a gallery every weekend to see a lot of art in one place. And, you know, 
it's like sexy and cool. So that makes a lot of sense why art collectors would be excited to go to Art Basel. But why does it seem like everyone, my family, my extended family, everybody, not just art collectors, seems to know about Art Basel Miami Beach? I think that's what makes Art Basel Miami Beach unique as an art fair compared to almost every single art fair in the rest of the world. I was in the dog park the other day, and this woman who comes every day was telling me that her friends are going down to Miami for Art Basel, and they go every year. She is not in the art business. She is actually a professional dog walker, and her friends are also not in the art business, and that just goes to show you how long a tail it really has. I also got a text from a friend of mine today who works for, get this, a high-end earplug company. And he was like, I'll see you in Miami. (laughs) Um, And I think what that shows you is that it's become a destination for partying just as much as for art. And it's something that has made the organizers of the fair a little bit uncomfortable. You talk to them and they always try to emphasize, you know, the work and the fact that this is a crossroads for collectors from Latin America and the United States. And all of those things are true. But It's also Miami in December, and it's become probably more about the parties than about the art. So art is kind of like an ennobling context for all this depravity that grows around it. Yeah, it's a great excuse to party, right? Because you're like, oh, it's it's an art event. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really smart and sophisticated and cosmopolitan, and uh, let's stay out until 6 a.m. So why did Art Basel, this tiny little former trade fair in a tiny little Swiss town that is basically best known for its high prices and indifferent cuisine. Why did this become this world-spanning juggernaut of the art market? Like in all things you learn in history class, geography is destiny. It wasn't the first art fair, but it was the first one to become a truly international art fair. And that's because it was a place where people could bring in cash easily, spend cash easily because of Switzerland's low tax rates. And it was also the first one to do things like have a VIP lounge and get major sponsorship from a big bank. And so it took off as the market for modern and contemporary art took off, and it became this model for this kind of exclusive, conspicuous, elite activity. And so flash forward to today, how important are the Basel fairs to the art business at large? Dealers I've spoken to say that they make between 50 and 60% of their annual sales at all art fairs. Mm -hmm. And I think it depends on the gallery, but I am sure that many dealers make a two-digit percentage of their annual sales at Art Basel fairs. So one dealer I talked to said it's not unusual to make up to $5 million at Art Basel in Miami. And he called it the Black Friday of the art world, meaning when dealers get into the black for the year. So how much does it cost to do a booth at Art Basel? So it costs between $50,000 and $100,000 roughly to rent a booth in the main section of an Art Basel fair. But then when you add in shipping and renting furniture and hosting dinners and getting the right lighting, you know, it can cost as much as $300,000 or higher. Wow. That's kind of a flat expectation for what you should shell out? I think the big galleries definitely spend more money. They take out a bigger booth. These days also they pay a little bit more to participate. But in general, certain things like furniture rental, shipping, flights, those things are going to cost the same whether you're a big gallery or a small gallery. So 
do these galleries make their money back? Is it working out for the galleries from an ROI perspective? So it's a gamble. Dealers I've spoken to say that they lose money between 15 and 50% of the time. Wow. And that's because one sale can be the difference between making money and losing money. I was thinking about when I worked at a Tex-Mex restaurant in high school, and when we were taking the quiz before we could start being a server, they had this whole thing about how upselling on guacamole one time would be the difference between making money on a meal for the restaurant or losing money on a meal. Their margins were that thin because it was so expensive to run a restaurant. And I think it's pretty similar for galleries. It's so expensive to run a gallery and to participate in these fairs in particular that one sale really can make the difference. So if art fairs are such a big part of the art business, why has it become such conventional wisdom that art fairs are ruining the art world? Why does everyone like to hate on these things so much? First of all, I think there's the party element that they have become associated with all flash and no substance. And also, it's genuinely not a great way to see art. You sort of feel at the end, like after you've gone through a mall on holiday shopping season or you're in a casino and you have no idea what time it is. Like you can't, after a certain point, really engage meaningfully with what you're seeing. And it also means that the loudest art wins because you're trying to compete for eyeballs in this really, really visually loud space. Mm -hmm. So contemplation, slow-looking and more difficult kinds of quality don't really work as well as the flashy, famous, big artworks do in these art fairs. Yeah, I would say you're never going to go to an art fair and feel, like, nourished the way that you do if you spend time in, like, a gallery of Agnes Martin paintings or something. It's like the opposite. You actually feel depleted yeah. when you leave one. So are there ways that the biggest galleries can somehow leverage the opportunities that art fairs afford in ways that smaller galleries can't? Well, some of it has to do with how much you can afford to gamble, right? The fundamental inequality that a lot of people have become very frustrated about is the fact that a big gallery can sell one work that's a million dollars, and all of a sudden they've made up their costs, whereas a small gallery, which supports younger artists who are living and whose art has not reached that level of price yet, they can sell out their entire booth and maybe break even. And so there is this sort of fundamental inequality in the system that privileges bigger dealers who sell work for more money. David's Werner Gallery, one of the biggest dealerships in the world, and I don't know if anybody actually uses that term for an art gallery, has even gone so far as to create an art fair away team which is basically like a band of hardened dealers cursed to roam the earth until they die. <laughs> How sustainable is something like this, even for these biggest galleries? I think you're hearing murmurs from big dealers about trying to be a bit choosier about the fairs that they do. They are looking at different regional markets and trying to make really strategic decisions about where it makes sense for them to do fairs rather than trying to do every single one. But even still, you have dealers who are on these away teams who just say that they don't unpack for the fall, ever. So it's pretty hardcore. So how is Art Basel trying to counteract the ill effects of this demand on galleries that are impacting smaller galleries to a greater extent than the bigger galleries? So last year, there started to be this groundswell of discontent about art fairs and the fundamental unfairness on smaller galleries. And so in response to that, 
Art Basel introduced last fall this sliding scale where big dealers who take out larger booths will pay a higher square meter rate than younger dealers in smaller booths. That was a pretty fundamental break from the previous system where there was a flat square meter rate that exhibitors paid more or less just based on the size of their stand. And the other thing that Art Basel did is that it had galleries pay less if they were participating in the main section for the first time or for the second time. And they also dropped the prices by a few thousand dollars for some of these smaller sections that are dedicated to younger galleries. So it wasn't a revolution by any means, but it was a gesture toward trying to make this system a little bit more sustainable for the smaller guys. Another way that art fairs like Art Basel have been changing the playing field for smaller galleries is that because they are this kind of magical pop-up art mall, they have become very convenient for people to focus their collecting attention and their art viewing attention at these incredibly efficient, gigantic art expos. So what are the negative effects of people essentially cutting the cord on the individual galleries and instead streaming their art at art fairs, if you forgive the comparison? The streaming analogy works well because I also think it's kind of like when you stop reading a paper newspaper and you start just reading online and going with whatever is coming through your social feed. When you read a print newspaper, you look at one article that you might seek out and then you happen to look at this one that's located next to it and you wouldn't have gone to that one originally, Mm -hmm. but it's there. Whereas if you're going to an art fair or you're reading your social feed, you're looking at a kind of pre-approved group that can afford to do these fairs or galleries that have been selected by the selection committee. Uh, And so you're not getting a full spectrum of what a city's art scene has to offer. And then, you know, there are the other problems that we talked about earlier that you lose context and that the loud art wins. And there's tons of different kinds of art that don't work at art fairs. It's really hard to engage with video at art fairs. It's really hard to engage with new media art at art fairs. So there are also entire genres that you might completely miss out on if you're only seeing art at fairs. From another perspective, the kind of discovery that you're talking about that you get with the newspaper, you would have an art fair except next to your local hometown gallery won't be another hometown gallery. It might be a gallery from Bangladesh. Art Basel has been really propelled by globalism. However, at the same time, it is now starting to really get bitten in the butt by some of the effects that globalism is creating. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that it has been facing over the past year? It seems like Art Basel has sort of been operating under a black cloud for the last year. It's like everywhere it goes, a geopolitical crisis follows. (laughs) You know, in the fall of 2018, they launched this new Art Basel Cities initiative in Buenos Aires at the exact same time that the country experienced a catastrophic currency collapse. Art Basel Hong Kong has been operating with a bit of a question mark as the city is roiled by these pro-democracy protests. And just now, Art Basel Miami Beach is about to open, and there have been several cases of dengue fever that have been detected in Miami-Dade County. It seems like a minor thing, but it points to this bigger problem, which is that it happens because global warming has allowed 
mosquito populations to expand northward. And so in general, Miami is extremely vulnerable to the rising sea levels and climate change. And so you just see all of these massive earthquakes in society, like hitting and shaking these fairs at every turn. Another impact of the fact that these fairs are spread all over the world and necessitate travel is that obviously there's a sustainability issue, but there's also the sustainability of how many art fairs people can actually drag themselves to. So tell me, what is fair Teague and how does that relate to JOMO? So these are two terms that we have come to use to describe the psychological dynamics of art fair oversaturation. Fatigue is the exhaustion that comes from attending art fairs. And JOMO is the sort of sequel to Fatigue, which is the joy of missing out and not attending art fairs and shifting from feeling like you need to be at all of them to having it be a status symbol that you're not going because you don't need to. I have spoken to collectors and advisors who attended nine or ten fairs five or six years ago and now only attend one or two. And, you know, that comes at the same time that the number of fairs has exploded. There were, I think, according to one count, 68 in 2005 and almost 300 today. So that's one for almost every day of the year. And so there's just no way that you can attend that many, but it adds to the noise and it makes you feel like you're missing out on all these things and you're falling behind. It's like the Netflix oversaturation (laughs) um, where you just feel like you can't possibly see it all. So even though these art fairs seem to be taking over the world and growing and expanding and multiplying in number at a frenetic pace, the fairs themselves are not doing so great. It seems that they have reached a late stage in the evolution of this art fair model. Even fairs themselves are experiencing fair fatigue. It seems like we've sort of peaked at this 300 number because in the last year we've seen a number of fairs from the collective design fair in New York to the Art Stage Singapore and Art Stage Jakarta fairs in Asia to the Outsider Art Fair, which was going to launch in Basel and then at the last minute decided not to. You see a number of sort of smaller fairs pulling back and saying it's time to refocus. People don't necessarily want any more exactly what we've been giving them. Mm -hmm. So even MCH, which is Art Basel's parent company, is experiencing its own kind of fair teague. They first announced that they were pulling out of some of the regional fairs that they had invested in last year. And since then, they've sold shares of the India Art Fair and Art Dusseldorf, and they decided not to proceed with this fair that they were going to launch in Singapore. They've kept their investment in Masterpiece, which is an old master fair in London with a presence in China. But you're really seeing them pull back from the smaller markets where they had thought that it would be a profitable idea to go in and take shares of these fairs. Can you tell me a little bit about the troubles Art Basel's parent company, MCH, has been going through from a business standpoint? I think it's really interesting that, yeah, we went from being like poor galleries, art fairs are killing galleries, to now these bigger forces are threatening to kill art fairs. And that has to do with the same challenges that are facing so many businesses. People are doing more business online and doing transactions and meeting people in person at a convention center has become less important. 
And so that has particularly had a big impact on Basel World, which is Basel's Fair for Watches, which has seen its exhibitors drop by half in recent years. And they had a big black eye when Swatch left. And they basically just said when they left that the world has changed. We don't need to pay tons of money to do this. We don't need to kowtow to you. And it's not worth the investment anymore. So they had Fertig and now they have Jomo? Yeah, very much. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, because of that, MCH lost 1 million Swiss francs in the first half of 2019 and is now considering severing half of its business, which is its live marketing division, which does event consulting and booth rentals and things like that. So it's considering selling that and reinvesting that money in its art fair business. Aren't they at the same time also exploring their ability to use this audience they've developed in ways that are not necessarily dependent on art fairs? So first they launched Art Basel Cities, which is a project in which they partner with local city governments to try to create the kind of cultural excitement that an art fair creates without the art fair. So partnering with local institutions and collectors to create a moment that will draw people to the city. That has happened once in Buenos Aires, and so far we haven't heard about definitively which city is coming next. And then the other project is called Art Basel Inside, which is a kind of Davos-like cultural conference. The idea is to bring the most creative minds in the world together in one place to think about the biggest problems in the world and how to solve them in a way that art can somehow offer new insight into. That was announced two months ago, and the first edition was supposed to take place in February next year. And then just last week, news broke that they were going to cancel the first Art Basel Inside in Abu Dhabi. They assured us that this cancellation had nothing to do with the colossal ticket price, which was $15,000 a pop, excluding airfare. They said that they had plenty of interest, but it just wasn't enough time to pull something like this off. So they agreed with the Art Basel tourism agency that was a partner in this project to call it off. Hmm. And I think looking at that and Art Basel cities together, you start to see that Art Basel is trying to sell its skill, right? It's trying to sell this thing that it's been able to do in Miami, in Basel, in Hong Kong, where it can sort of create a destination for cultural figures around the world. And it it turns the city into this magnet for a period of time. And so I think that they're trying to see if that is a skill and a service that governments or other entities will pay for. So they become kind of like consultants hmm. for cultural events. But I think it remains a very open question as to whether that's something that they'll be able to monetize long-term. So this is a totally different playing field that Basel, you could imagine, would potentially be able to evolve into were they able to advance this kind of really high-touch, luxurious social art encounter. You're seeing them double down on these conferences and events and convenings for in a way, a narrower and narrower group of people if you have to spend $15,000 for a ticket instead of $50 for a ticket. You know, I think that they are really looking to leverage their expertise on the ground. How amazing. I mean, it echoes this worldwide trend in income disparity. It's definitely a reflection of 
who has money, right? Yeah. And where they think they're going to get money from. It's no coincidence that it's Abu Dhabi that is hosting this right. summit. They want to associate themselves with culture and they have the money to do that. I think we're in this moment in the art fair economy where instead of trying to go places and build art markets the way that Art Basel sort of did in Miami in 2002, they are now going to the places that already have capital and capitalizing on that. So it is a shift in business structure that definitely reflects growing inequality, as so many things do. Well, thank you very much, Julia. That's it for this week's episode of The Art Angle. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. The Art Angle is produced by Tim Schneider and Caroline Goldstein and edited by Nick Long. Thanks for listening and see you next week.